Namaste, and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Vanessa Pattison. She's a yoga teacher and yoga studio owner in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. She has over 2,000 hours of vinyasa, hatha, and yin training, and she built and she still runs the Zen Yoga Nicaragua Center, which is the only yoga studio in the Central American beach town of San Juan del Sur. So she's also trained with the Chopra Center in Primordial Sound Meditation, which I'm excited to hear more about today. And she does run retreats with her other yoga business, the Nicaragua Yoga Institute. So thank you so much, Vanessa, for being with me on the show today. Thank you for having me. I sound pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) You do. I love it. We're all excited. I think to learn more from you and hear also how yoga came into your life and how you got started. Let's start there. Okay. Before moving to Nicaragua, I was living in California and I had went to a YMCA, like a gym type yoga setting. And I went into my first yoga class and I thought, wow, there's something really special happening here. I have scoliosis. I was born with scoliosis, just as curvature of the spine. And so as I was doing the poses and as I left class and even the next day, I felt better in my body, even though I was only in my very early 20s. I felt sore all the time. So I thought there's something really to this. And not only just physically, but as I practiced longer, I realized, oh, there's some benefits too for the mind component, right? The being able to deal with life's challenges that was happening, making me a little bit stronger off the mat as well. Oh, absolutely. I love that it started at a YMCA too. Like that's so beautiful that these amazing community centers are offering such diverse opportunities and exposing people to different forms of movement and different things. My first meditation class was at a YMCA outdoor summer camp when I was like 10 years old. (laughs) That's how I got introduced to meditation. So very grateful for the role YMCA plays in our lives. Me too. Me too. And then when I got to Nicaragua, my husband and I, we ended up quitting our jobs. Well, actually, we took sabbaticals at first. And then we we honed in on San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, because he loves to surf. And we had been to a wedding in Costa Rica the year before. And we started having this little whisper that maybe we should go and try a different life. And so we ended up in this town, San Juan del Sur. And there was a mother and daughter who were actually from the States, but they were renting a little house in town. And the daughter had studied with Patavi Joyce, the founder of Ashtanga Yoga. And so as I started getting more comfortable in town, I started attending yoga with them every day, every day. And I was so happy they were here. And then one day I went to class and they told me we're moving away. And I was very distraught. No, you can't leave. You're the yoga. And they, you're the yoga in town. And they said, you'll have to be the yoga. And I thought to myself, I don't know how to teach. I don't know what to do. And they handed me the yoga manual, the Ishanga yoga manual by David Swenson. And they said, here, you've been doing this practice with us for the last six months. Just keep doing it. So I put a little sign up on the gate that said yoga and a cup of tea for 50 Cordobas, which I can't remember how much that was now because it was in 2005, but it was a few bucks. And so we were just doing yoga in my living room there for a while. And that's how it started by really by accident in a sense, but there aren't any accidents in a way as well. So. Oh, that's amazing that this mother and daughter duo and the daughter who studied with Padavi Joyce, like that is an incredible 
connection. Just right off the shooting gate to have that opportunity is amazing, Vanessa. And when they handed you this manual, I'm assuming it was the Ashtanga Primary Series. Is that what you were teaching? Yeah, it was. And it was David Swenson who had studied I think a lot with the Tabby Joyce had written a book. And so it was the primary series, but it had shortened variations of it. And a lot of the people coming through San Juan, they're already pretty strong. They serve, they have other things they're doing to stay physically active. I modified the primary series to not have so many sun salutations and stuff and just give people also like a good stretch as well. Yeah. So that's sort of, that was the beginning Beautiful. And then now 2000 hours later, (laughs) that's where we're at. (laughs) Yeah. I always felt like a fraud sometimes, not a fraud, but I always felt like I don't, I I don't know if I should be here in the front of the room, but it was just more out of a desire to be, to be with others doing yoga that I stepped into it. And then over time, as I got more exposure to other teachers and other styles of yoga and I started to feel more confident with my voice and more confident with helping people navigate a yoga practice. I think so many yoga teachers do struggle with that feeling of imposter syndrome, not knowing if their place is in the front of the room or if they're ready or if they can even do it or if they are, as you said, I think like a a little fraud, I don't know, I think you used the word fraud, but do you want to talk a little bit more about how you overcame that imposter syndrome or advice you would give yoga teachers who maybe are struggling with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just experience, just when you're new at anything, you're going to, you're going to have that feeling of that there's others that know more and who are you to be doing that? And then I forget who said that, who are you not to be? And as long as you're, I feel like your intention is good and you want good things for other people, you may make some missteps along the way, but you got to follow your heart. You have to follow your calling. And Ultimately, I realized that in some way it must have been my calling all along. And I, before that, I was like a real estate appraiser, which was definitely not my calling. Like a lot of time at the desk and data entry. And I learned a lot about myself through that process. But the becoming a teacher, it was just fun. I would get calls like from hotels around the area. Hey, we heard you teach yoga. Can you come teach some yoga out here? And I'd be like, okay, sure. And I would just wing it and make it. But that's how it always is. I think for all, all young people coming into their own. It's just a process. So I guess be patient with yourself, get as much knowledge as you can, try not to do any harm. Those are the things that I think I was lightly following, though I may not have known at the time. Do no harm, ahimsa, always a good thing to come back to. But with getting more knowledge as well, if you have 2,000 hours of training in Hatha Vinyasa and Yin, and do you want to speak a little bit more as well about your trainings and how you chose who to train with or where to go for trainings? Because I know a lot of yoga teachers are our listeners, got a huge community here, and they're amazing. Shout out to everyone who's listening right now. But it would just be great to know too, how did you select where to go? Because people email, they DM, say, oh, I'm looking for a training in trauma-informed yoga or in a yin yoga training. And there's so many offerings now globally, and it's so saturated. And of course, there are a lot of schools maybe looking to take advantage of students who maybe aren't offering authentic teachings either. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that 2023 with everything online, and apparently there's 
trainings now where you can become a yoga teacher for $7. This is what Instagram says. That's a different world than I know of because when I first started out, there there wasn't that world. We had a little internet server down the street that all anybody that lived here went to use and message home or whatever. It was very new. So I think that world has exploded since. But in the beginning for me, what happened with there would be teachers that would come through San Juan. There was a particular teacher out of San Francisco named Van Dotten who would come through and he was a real deal. He was also a teacher at a university in San Francisco, but he had an extensive yoga background and he would lead small group trainings in Central America. And he actually came in through San Juan. And so whenever he was in town, I invited him to teach so that I could learn and understand more. And I remember him telling me, like, he led one of the classes one of the days. And after class, he said, did you notice, you know, this gentleman in the far back right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. And he said, well, okay, so he is going to hurt himself. He was like over, you know, over pushing in all the poses. And remember the woman in this other corner? She was not really in the poses at all. She was not doing the poses. And so it was just interesting to see his perspective and to get some knowledge from him. But over time, I became certified with him. And then I started reaching out to teachers that I would find from maybe when I go to the States or wherever I would go, I'd find somebody that I liked and I'd invite them to come to Nicaragua. So one of those teachers was Peter Starius, who was the co-founder of Manduca. He lived in San Luis Obispo with his family. And I went to his studio with a family member and we realized we had a common connection to Nicaragua. He was actually leading a retreat there the following year. So I invited him to come do a training at my studio and we got together a group of people to do a 200 hour teacher training. And he also brought his a co-leader, James Bailey, who was an Ayurvedic doctor. James Bailey used to be married to Shiva Ray. He's going to hate that I say that, but I'm like, well, it is a cool thing to be able to say. And it got people to want to come and train with us. But they were really great. And I learned from both of them maybe two or three different years. Yeah. And so I would just invite teachers. When Yoga Glow got online, and I can't remember when that was, maybe even early, I would write to teachers from there and invite them. And I have brought in different teachers over the years. And that's what then branched into the Nicaragua Yoga Institute, because then I started having larger groups coming and I needed a place to facilitate those larger groups. So it was more like you. It was that desire to learn. It was that deep rooted desire in me. I wanted to find more about this world that I was so excited about, but I needed teachers too. And so that's how it happened. Ooh, yes. We all need more teachers and we need to connect with them. And I love the story of you talking with your teacher and him saying, oh, did you notice this person in the back of the room and this one in the corner, either about to hurt themselves or not even getting in the poses. It's that community of having a conversation with another yoga teacher after a class, just saying, what did you observe or what did you notice or learning even from adjustments that you receive as a student in there. I love when we're able to connect and learn from each other. And I do feel just a little bit like that has been lacking here, at least in the USA. I've been back now for a few months and I feel sad that I don't think yoga teachers have all the opportunities they need to get together and talk about yoga still. (laughs) I don't know, maybe I just haven't been here long enough in this community, but I love that. I just think it's so important that we all learn and lean on each other. For sure. It's that, you know, that yoga teacher and the student are one and the same. And it really truly is because it's always that beginner's mind that we keep going back to. Like, 
how do I be new at this again? How do I not have all of my judgments and preconceptions about things and just see things with a fresh lens? Yeah. And speaking of preconceptions or seeing things with fresh lenses, what do you think is your definition of yoga itself? I know we have the sutras. I know we have things to lean on, but what is your personal definition of yoga? Oh, that's such a good question. I've heard the idea of union or connection. For me, having lived in San Juan and really being the only yoga studio, there's been a few hotels that will offer classes here and there, but the actual only yoga studio, I don't know how it still is that way. It's really been fun to hold that space. And yoga is community. It is being together. We had the crisis in Nicaragua, the political crisis, and then we had COVID and being able to hold the doors open and allow people to have a moment to just breathe and B, that's it for me. And a lot of the money that comes into the studio really truly does go back into the community. Since I've had three kids all born here, they all have friends and a lot of them don't have the opportunities that say my kids have. I found that as much as possible, if they do the meditation courses or classes that are just by donation, I can at least offset some of the money I have to get them in school or get them some sports stuff. So it really truly, not just like in a tacky way, but in a really palpable way is helping kiddos. And that makes me feel good inside, like really purposeful. Oh, absolutely. To have yoga go off the mat too, and to say, how can I use yoga as an act of service for the community at large? That is where the amazing things happen. Yeah. And people coming in, they feel it. So we have, obviously it's an expat culture. So we have expats that live here or people that travel through. Um, But it filters out because all of those people are in contact with the community. And then we do get lots of Nicaraguans come in now. We don't have one class specifically in Spanish right now, although we have had in the past. But if someone wants to come in the door, they're not turned away. There's some exchange possible. One woman, for example, gives me massage and she does yoga in exchange. There there was another Nicaraguan woman named Ruth who's now living in, in Europe. She married a European, a man from France, actually. But she was trained when we brought Peter Sterius in. She was able to get trained. And all these teachers will do it at a super discounted rate or even in some exchange capacity. So the the Nicaraguans who wouldn't be able to come up with $1,000 or $2,000 for a yoga certification can get certified. And so she was able to teach in Nicaragua for a number of years. We've also gotten, we do massages and stuff too. So the masseuses can get trained and do Thai body work and push their abilities and things they can do out a little bit wider. So it's been fun, a fun collaboration all around. Perfect word for it, collaboration. It sounds like you're able to, with your community, just do this act of trade and service and working with what people need and what people have to offer. It seems like a very coming from a very authentic place of just like wanting to share yoga. Thank you. I hope so. I think so. Yeah. And so you, all three of your kids were born in Nicaragua and you moved there in 2005, right? Yes. Nicaragua is definitely your home. (laughs) For our listeners who maybe were like, oh, she's from Nicaragua. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you feel like you are a part of that culture or how you kind of represent Nicaragua? Sure. Thank you. I think that having my children was one of the hugest. It propelled us into really being more part of the community. And especially as they've gotten older and they speak Spanish fluently, they really have been the bridge, the 
they've been this like bridge for us to know how to be culturally mindful. Because I think coming in here a lot of times, and I probably am guilty of it myself, foreigners have this idea that we know better, that we we have it all figured out. And that's just not true. And whenever I have made a miscommunication or misstep, my oldest now, who's just turned 16, I can't believe it, um, Max, he will just gently nudge me, mom, that's not really how it's said here or done here. And just remind me to be more mindful of how to like communicate and not be so abrasive, which I feel like I can be comparatively to the culture to remember to say hello and good morning before getting straight down to business and things like that. That that's a very small example, but yeah, having the kids has been huge and Watching them grow up in this cross-cultural, different situation has been really interesting. But really, they've taught me a lot about how to live here and how to be mindful to not think that somehow I know better. So I love hearing, Vanessa, how your kids have opened doors for you or opened kind of your eyes to some of the nuances of the culture in Nicaragua and how you can better align with it. Do you have any examples or any stories of something your kids have gotten involved with or some aspect of their school or any of their activities that have really shined a brighter light (laughs) on Nicaragua in general? Absolutely. I would say that I don't only want to speak about Max because all the boys individually taught me different things about not only living in Nicaragua, but about being a mom, about being a good person. Max, though, has been playing baseball, and baseball is the Nicaraguan sport in Nicaragua. It's the sport of Nicaragua. And so once he found baseball, that sort of pushed us into a whole other world of just meeting more people outside of even San Juan, where we were primarily based, because Rivas, which is a town about 30 minutes from here, is really big into baseball. So it's been cool to be able to go there and really help as well. Of course, they like, I pull up and they're like, oh, there's a white kid here. (laughs) Who's this white kid? How can they get involved and how can they help? And this mom seems to have some people on her side that can help us. So we've done a lot of fundraising for uniforms and to bring sports equipment to these teams. It's been cool to be able to help with that, but also just to meet a lot of new people in a different part of the country and just get involved in the community in another way as well. When we talked about whether there was someone here in Nicaragua that's from Nicaragua teaching yoga, I was like, I'm her. It's me. I know I wasn't born here, but I feel Nicaraguan in a lot of ways. Although I'm super chela, they would say. They call me chela. (laughs) But I feel Nicaraguan. I've been here my late 20s, my entire 30s, and now almost to my mid-40s. So it's very much like I love this country. I love it. Also, sometimes it's hard and And that also comes back to that idea of like, wherever you go, there you are. So you can change locations, you can change jobs, you can change partners, but you're still going to be there with yourself. So you have to like yourself. And that's the practice of yoga for me is digging in and tearing away the layers of the onion that no longer serves. So I can be my most helpful, caring, loving person that I can be myself, my best self. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing that. And I'm all about peeling off the onion layers as well and just trying to get to the subtler and subtler layers. The koshas, there's five of them. We usually just think about that outer layer, the anamaya kosha, the gross body. But when we tap in, especially with practices like meditation, yin yoga, you really can get down to kind of those subtler layers where you start to see yourself more clearly, like that Buddhist saying of, it's like looking ourselves in a mirror in our mind or our souls. And it's just so dirty, but just gently and slowly, we just clean off the layer on the mirror so we can see ourselves more clearly. And every time we're on our mat or off our mat and practicing, that's an opportunity. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where best self comes out. That's why I keep going back. Like, who am I really? And who are you? There's two sides to you. Yeah. Cause we all have the light in the dark and I am totally not perfect. And I mess up and I'm human. We're striving to be our best self, but we're going to also have dark. We have the dark side as well. And it's about just showing up and seeing what's there. And that's why the meditation is really important to me too. And it's why I ended up getting trained with the Chopra Center. I listened to Oprah and Deepak do those 21 day guided meditations. And I really struggled. I could, I'd start them. I wouldn't finish them. I would get three days behind and then they'd delete one. I'd be like, God, I'm so bad at this. And then I realized that there is no bad at that. You just doing the best you can. So I just kept showing up. And eventually I went to a retreat with Epoch because I thought he's my homie. I don't know him, but I feel like I know him. And I just want to go and be with him. And he was in Costa Rica, just over the border. And so I hopped on down to Costa Rica and did a week with him and I learned a lot and I ended up deciding to do a training, an online training with the Chopra Center. And so now I teach the primordial sound meditation, which is where you're, you give people their mantra. It's based on their birthplace and time of birth, date, place, and time of birth. And that's really fun to teach people that there is space and time to meditate and that can weave it into your lives. And it's not just about what happens in meditation, particularly sitting there. It's not like you go into some black void. You just simply sit with whatever comes up. And then over time, that stillness that you start to touch, that space between thoughts, that space between, you know, our repetitive monkey mind thoughts, more creativity becomes available, more more calm. And so that I really love to infuse into the classes and really just lead people on meditation training because it really is the best tool I've found. And the asana is great too, the practice of moving the body. And for some, that's the only way they're going to access that. They don't want to sit in meditation, but I think both are very powerful practices for sure. Absolutely. Very powerful. And I love that you are trained with the Chopper Center and able to do a retreat yourself with Deepak. I'm, that just must have been amazing. It was so cool. I had just turned 40 and my baby was just getting old enough to no longer need to be nursed because I was nursing him. And I planned it just just because it all was aligning to be really a good time to take care of me, right? Because I do take care of a lot of people, but not, we all need to do that where we just refill our own well. And so it was perfect. It was the perfect timing. Since then, I've done a silent retreat with him as well. It was like 300 people in silence in Yosemite. It was pretty powerful. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Yosemite, that's an amazing backdrop for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've done silent meditation retreats in Bali and Sri Lanka and some other spots, but never in the USA. So that's on my list. I think I want to try that. (laughs) I want to do what you did so we can just talk. Perfect. So Vanessa, I love how you are so passionate about Nicaragua as a whole. I would love to hear more about yoga in Nicaragua as well. I know that there's no other yoga studios in your town of San Juan del Sur, but what is the yoga scene kind of like in Nicaragua and what has it been like in the past and where do you see it going in the future? Sure. Obviously, I have the most experience with San Juan del Sur, where I live. And right around this area, we have beaches north and south that have little bubbles of yoga, Madaris Village, which I do teacher trainings and yoga retreats there. There's Costa Dulce to the south, which they also do retreats. Really beautiful beach with, they're doing like turtle conservation. So they're trying to bring back the turtles and keep a safe place for them to hatch. And they are actually paying like the poachers that used to poach turtles to protect the eggs now, which is so cool. And then just really close to town is a place called Hush that does yoga, another place called Space. In Granada, the oldest colonial city of Nicaragua, there is a studio, at least one, I believe, called Pure. And then in the capital of Nicaragua, which is called Managua, which I don't really often go there, mostly just to fly in and out of the country. There are a few studios there as well. I do think that yoga is booming here. I think it's following suit from our neighbor to the south, Costa Rica. It's Costa Rica, you probably know, is a pretty well-known place for yoga retreats. And so I think it's just a normal progression that people are starting to look north to Nicaragua as a next yoga destination. Oh, absolutely. And if some of our listeners aren't very familiar with Nicaragua as a whole, just as a country, maybe a little chat on the geography, where it's located, or what the culture is like, I'd love to shine a light just on Nicaragua as a country. Not everybody is familiar with Nicaragua, that's for sure. When I tell people I live in Nicaragua, there's often a blank stare. And so I go, oh, it's just near Costa Rica. And I go, oh, okay, okay. So it gives them a reference point. It's a Central American country. It's not very populated. I think there's about 6 million people here. And I would say the country is like the size of Nebraska, like the state of Nebraska, if that gives a reference for people. Beautiful geography. We've got beaches, tons and tons of beaches. Hermosa Beach, where they filmed Survivor. I don't know how many years ago now. They did a few years here in Nicaragua. And there's another beach called Madeiras that's super popular for surfing. And I think that people often are coming to this area anyway more for tourism, especially for people who want to find good waves. We have the offshore winds all year, so it provides an epic opportunity for surfers who know they're going to get good waves. And historically, the town that I live in was known for fishing, but it's definitely more touristy. And there's also an international school here now, which I think has started to change at least the town of San Juan. In terms of bringing in a lot more of a family energy as well, expat families coming in and 
people are able to, especially with COVID, after COVID, are able to kind of work remotely a lot more than ever before. So people are changing it up and moving here for the quality of life, the lifestyle of this laid back beach town. But also with an international school here, my friend Julie Spire actually started it. It's really helped a lot. And we've got, think about 60% of the school is also Nicaraguan. So there's a lot of kids that are on scholarships or somehow are finding their way to the school. So it's a really dynamic place here in Nicaragua that we live. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And it sounds like just such a beautiful place with tons of beaches and slower lifestyle as well. Yes, for sure. For sure. But like I said before, you come into a place and you can bring your same expectations. So I know that the first year that I lived here, I suffered not because of Yeah, there were power outages and water shortages, but I suffered because I was fighting the reality, right? I was resisting what was happening and not just being able to experience it. And I think the longer I've lived here, and things have also gotten better infrastructurally, but just to be able to understand that it isn't the actual thing causing the suffering, it's the the resistance or the thought about it that is creating the suffering. And also, I would just like to say that coming from North America, I remember arriving feeling like, oh, I should have a right to peace. So my neighbor shouldn't be able to blare music at three in the morning or there shouldn't be roosters and dogs going off all night. But that isn't true here. And really, the right to make noise and be alive and be joyous is actually the driving force here. So I remember resisting that in the beginning too, thinking my neighbor should be respectful this late at night or early in the morning. And then later just being able to switch that and realize, no, that isn't necessarily true. That's that's that misconception that we have sometimes that our way is the right way, whatever, whoever we are, right? Coming into anywhere. Uh, but I feel like especially Americans sometimes fall under that umbrella of just entitlement, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. And at least I have noticed that in the past in myself. So just being able to drop the division and being able to realize that I don't know everything and I'm not. And I would love to know too, Vanessa, are you interested in writing a book or are you starting writing a book? I may have noticed a thing or two and I wanted to ask about that. Okay, I will declare it so that I will manifest it one day. The idea I have is that I want to share my experiences here in Nicaragua and all the people I've come to really love and admire. And one of the ideas I have for a book is a day in the life where I actually want to, with my kids or by myself, do a different job that I see here just for a day. And to just really see what it's like to do different jobs. And this could be anywhere in the world, but just because my life is here, I found it to be an exciting idea. And really to also raise awareness and potentially money in some way for a lot of the different projects I'm involved in. One primarily to help kids go to school and kids to play sports. So I'm always looking for ways to do that. I like to do it instead of just asking for money, give something in return. So. If I could write a book that would inspire people to be interested and potentially willing to help this area of the world, that would be fun for me. And if I could do it in a smart enough way and then that could inspire my very, my, my most fa- favorite mentor in all the world, Oprah, to invite me for an interview one day, I would be even 
happier still. <laughs> You're my podcast and training for meeting her one day and being interviewed. You'll have to let us know if and when and that your book is coming out so we can make sure to share it and get a copy. So uh, we'll stay tuned, Vanessa. It might be 10 years, but I will let you know. Deal. I'll look forward to that email. And so, yeah, Vanessa, if any of our listeners do want to reach out or do have a question or are interested in coming to Nicaragua or just had a question about something you said, I'm definitely going to link all of your website and social media here in the show notes so our listeners can just click a link and immediately be directed to finding you as well as on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Nicaragua. But would you like to share here on the episode itself and the audio of it, how people can get in touch with you? Sure. I was just going to say that if anybody ever wants to come and experience Nicaragua directly, they could come and join a retreat with us at the Nicaragua Yoga Institute. They can find it online. But I thought it would be fun to close with just a few intentions. This is from uh, the Chopra Center with Deepak Chopra that I close my meditations with. So I thought maybe the listeners and you and I could just close our eyes for a moment and just take a deep breath in and exhale the breath out. And we'll just close with these intentions. Joyful, energetic body. Loving, compassionate heart, reflective, alert mind, and a lightness of being. Thank you so much for interviewing me today. Namaste. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. My conversation with Vanessa Pattison, a yoga teacher in Nicaragua, was so inspiring as we took a deep dive into yoga as community and about how you can weave it into your life. I hope that this conversation made you curious about how you can touch stillness, the space in between your thoughts, and find out what is available when you're able to touch those places. Thank you so much for listening to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Be well. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com, or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one. Be well. Mm-hmm.